here's what we're gonna here's what we're gonna do tonight. Um, the Bible you guys read about talks about Sabbath, right? So you, you, you kind of already saw it. You saw it like in, in uh, Exodus 20. You also saw it in kind of principle um, back in Genesis 3. But we're going to kind of try to lay out this concept of, of, of what Sabbath is. Now, before you get to Sabbath, one of the things that I think we want to talk about is, is kind of like, well, like, why Sabbath? Why should we have this time in which we kind of shut down? Or we, the, the word actually Shabbat means to cease, to stop, right? Well, one of my, kind of before I went kind of the theology route, my background in mathematics and chemistry, chemistry was kind of my world. But I love looking at specifically biochemistry and how living things work and how like chemicals come to bear. And, and one of the things that, that I've really uh, wrestled through a lot is kind of even what happens inside of us chemically as we begin to stress out. Because I deal with people all the time including myself and my wife and my children and the people of my local church that deal with ongoing with stress, right? Well, let me ask you this question. Why does stress kill? Ever thought about that? Like, we'll read about it once more, right? Like, why does stress kill? Elevated blood pressure. Okay, it elevates our blood pressure, right? How does it elevate our blood pressure? Uh, constricting the width of the arteries and veins. Okay, good. How does stress kill? I'm really good at it. I'm great at it. I'm great at stress. Now, how's the stress kill? It's making the situation worse than what it really is. Oh, okay. Good. So, in other words, it gets amplified, right? Whatever the problem is, it gets amplified. That's that. It's great. What else? Why else does stress kill? You breathe less oxygen. Okay, there is actually a side of it, right? The constricting of our blood vessels and everything causes actually the, the reality of oxygen flow so that it just, it's a weird kind of thing that happens inside of us. What, what they found is, everybody know what cortisol is? You know what that is? So it's like a hormone for the it's a, brain. Good, what does it do? What does cortisol do? You remember? It heals. What? Yeah. Not heals. You think so, like cortisone, but it doesn't. It doesn't. That's not good. Yeah, it's a good play on words though. I appreciate that. So, um, pain reducer. Okay. It tries to get the receptors that are firing synapses that are telling the body to, to fight. Good. Not only does it do that, but more importantly what it does is it's our fight or flight kind of thing. Right? And so what happens is, is that in, in a stressful situation when we're constantly on the go, now think about it. We as Americans, we're constantly on the go, aren't we? We're like, yeah. we get up in the morning, after we get up in the morning, man, we're like firing off and we're trying to get where we're going quickly. We get home so we can get to where we're going and everything is fast. Now, what happens when you stay at that level, and especially then if you add to it, we now also have this thing called the internet, right? This crazy little bug that's been around for the last, whatever, 15, 20 years, in which now, even when you go to read about something, you stay at a high stress level. Well, the longer and the longer you keep your body at that kind of a high stress level is the normal thing within a day is it kind of goes, your cortisol goes up, and then around two or three in the afternoon, it's supposed to come back down again. There's this beautiful way in which we're supposed to operate. The problem is now, we as Americans, we've gotten to this point where everything elevates and it kind of stays up there, stays up, stays up there, and then we crash, and then we start all over the next day, and we just keep doing that and doing that and doing that over and over to ourselves. Well, the more and more this cortisol begins to operate on us, what it starts to do is it leads to what's called stress deregulation and, and, and dysregulation. So all that means is, is we don't even know anymore how to like settle down. Like, Americans are at this point anymore where we don't know how to chill. We don't know how to just 
Because the moment everything starts to settle down, what do we do? We get anxious, and what then? What do we do? Do more. Get more stress. Okay, I got to turn the TV. I've got to. I've got to play video games. I've got. I've got to be doing something with myself because I don't know what to do, and we don't know how to chill. Now, let me just. I don't mean to, to minimize this concept of, of Sabbath that we're going to look at tonight, but the concept is to cease, which I, I think if God were to put it in our vernacular, he would say, relax, like, chill, slow down, like, because there's something important reason why he's trying to get us to actually cease and stop and slow down, okay? So that's what we're going to look at tonight is, is this reality. Now, if a church starts to live that way, how contrary is that to the world? Super. So explain yourself. You can't say super without saying, like, why? Why is that super contrary to the world? Well, because not only is that not what people do, but if you do that, you're lazy, you have no ambition, you don't work hard enough, you don't deserve anything. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. Yeah, and so actually one of the things I want to come back to is actually the lazy concept. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Is that now? Now, let me just be careful when I say that. There are some that this they need to get to work. Okay, so <laughs> let's put it that way. But I, I think there's actually this other side of it where it's not laziness actually that God's after. He's after this time where actually I think He says, "I want your heart." And oftentimes He will say to people, "Right, be still and what." No, no, God. In other words, chill, like slow down. Cut it, right? So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that now. When we talk about Sabbath, and I, this is just on your sheet, um, one of the ways which I'm gonna try to convince you guys is that it's a it's a special day of the week. We're gonna talk about the fact that I don't think it has to be a certain day of the week, like what you guys are reading about inside of the law. But it's a day in which now we're gonna cease normal work. We're gonna make it different intentionally. By the way, make it different. The second thing on there was we're going to delight in God fully. We'll, we'll talk about what that means. We're going to reflect on who we were and now, and now, or who we were and now who we are. We're going to learn contentment. We're going to learn what contentment means of trusting God. We're going to learn more about our future rest in the new creation, which, by the way, I don't know how many of you have read about what new creation is going to be like. Has anybody read that recently? New creation? Have you read it? No, you're in the Old Testament. All I can say is, is like, this new creation thing, actually, we're supposed to think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, why would I say we need to think about new creation a lot besides the fact the Bible tells us to? Why do we need to think about what new creation, the future reality with God looks like? Why would we need to think about that? Hope, okay, hope. What else? For me, it takes away anxiety. Why? Because it takes away fear. And, and why does it take away fear? Fear of death and fear of the unknown and all of this. Good. Things I'm stressed out about won't be issues. Then. Totally. Like, just for a second here, I didn't mean to go this way. Can you imagine the first day of new creation? Mm-hmm. You ever stopped and just thought about that? Mm-hmm. Like, if all of a sudden I told you all stress is gone, all anxiety is gone, all worries gone, all fighting, um, Donald Trump's not here anymore. <laughs> right? It's just like everything is just gone, and and suddenly, right? It's this. This, we're going to experience for the first time just what the Bible talks about, which is shalom, the where everything is just right. Mm-hmm. Now, part of what God, I think the reason we think about that is actually the point of the Bible is we're supposed to bring it into the here and now. We're not supposed to just leave it as a future reality, but the Bible will oftentimes talk about bringing 
the future, what new creation is going to be like. And actually, we're supposed to make that thing present now. We're actually supposed to, as groups of believers, make the future reality, which is we'll talk about in our future Sabbath rest, make it like real, like right now. The other thing he talks about in there is we need to we need to create relational space to love people. And just the last thing, we need to demonstrate what it means for God's people to, to those that we know and love, all right? So let me let me throw this first question out there. In what you're reading in the Old Testament, is Sabbath for God's new covenant people? Yes or no? Obviously, you know where I stand, I believe. But what, what do you think? Should we practice the Sabbath? Yes. And why? Because he said to, like, continue forever. Oh, explain that. Well, like, when he gave... When he gave them, like Jared was saying, when he gave them the um, the order of the commandment, he said this is to like last forever through all through all generations. Okay. And if like we are um, subject to the Lord and like following Him, we should be obedient and keep that. Okay. Good. You just had Eureka. Whatever she said caused you to go. <gasps> What? No, it was something else. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my backpack and it's in the corner. <laughs> you can rest. You can rest, girl. I don't know. I was just thinking, like, where am I? What are, this is my favorite leggings. And... I was wearing it. <laughs> sorry. I'm really sorry. No, that's all right. No, a lot of times what people will say, they'll, they'll, they'll say, yeah, that was for the old covenant people. That was meant for the old covenant people to experience for generation to generation. But I do think God was stretching some out. We'll talk about why here in a second. But they'll say, no, that, that, that the one law that doesn't get repeated inside of the New Testament is this law that is Sabbath. You, you hear the first three commands repeated, then you hear five through ten. All of them get repeated, but the Sabbath thing doesn't. Now, there's a truth to that because like when I read the New Testament, I don't see Sabbath a lot other than I find it in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 8. Uh, I find in Colossians 2, you see a little bit in Acts where they worship on the Sabbath day, and then you'll see Jesus talk about it. But but the thing that people oftentimes say is that the Sabbath is not for us. So this is what we're going to do. Let's go back to Exodus. You guys have been reading that. And let's try to build a case on whether or not like well, this thing is actually for us. All right. So go to Exodus 20, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 11 and, uh, and, and work that out. Um, how do you have people read? Do you read or you have them read? Either way, right. We yeah. have You're not allowed to read? That's cool. Um, I, can't <laughs> I struggle reading. Is there something that would just read uh, 8 through 11 for us? No. Remember the Sabbath day to set it apart as holy. For six days you may labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your cattle or the resident foreigner who is in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Okay, good. Now let's ask this question, right? Because you, you guys are all Bible studiers. Why does God say that they need to do this? What's his purpose? What's the purpose for doing this? Because we've got to get this. If we're going to really understand, like, is it for today? What's the purpose that he gives for doing this? Okay, for them, there's going to be a rest aspect. There's something bigger to this, though, I think. Because he was made in the image. Good, good, good. Come on. Why? Because it says that this is what the Lord did when the heavens. 
And then he rested. On Good. Sunday. Now here's the thing, like with it, the reason that he wants them to do this <coughs> is because he says, I'm going to base it off of what I did way back in creation. That the purpose for which I'm going to ask you to practice this Sabbath is for something that I did somewhere in Genesis 1 and 2, right? That's where you guys read it. Is that somewhere back in Genesis 1-2, there's this thing that God did in which I initiated that I want you now to keep this a practice inside of your life. Now, in order to kind of find that, what we have to do is go back to Genesis 2. So let's go back to Genesis 2. Let's figure out what this thing was that he did so that we can kind of start to understand this, this whole Sabbath reality. So Genesis 2, and then if someone could read uh, verses 2 through 3 for us. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Good. All right, so what are some of the things we learned? Let's, let's talk it over a little bit. What do we learn in those three verses about Sabbath? Because this is what he's doing. He's, he's, he's calling us back to it. So what, is, what does he do here? Rest. Okay, what does rest mean to God? Was he tired? Mm-hmm. Was God like, man... <laughs> universe, like I'm kind of tired. I mean, what kind of rest is he referencing here? Do you think? Stillness. Explain that. Like, just like there's nothing else that needs to be done. Good. So it's not that he's tired or that he needs rest. It's more that it's done. Yeah. So this this week, um, my son and I have done our first wood project together. He's ten years old and. And I'm going to take him out, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to do our wood project together. I tried to invite my, my girls, but they thought that was stupid. And so my son was <laughs> the one that said, okay, I'll do this with you. And so we were sanding this entire huge table, and we get all done. And I got my, I'm standing there, you know, and I'm kind of doing everything. And I see my son standing over looking at the table like this. And I go, hey, buddy, like, what, what are you looking at? And he, and he just says this to me. He goes, Dad, we did good. <laughs> And I go, you think so? He goes, no, seriously, Dad, like, we did good. <laughs> now, part of what God was doing here, right, is he, he's been saying day one, good, day two, good, day three, good, day four, five, six. And then on day seven, he says something differently. He says what? This is what? Very good. Very good. In other words, I'm content. I am fully satisfied in my work. I am done. I've accomplished the task. It's set in order. I've done it. And now I can look at this and be able to go complete, content, satisfied. Now these words become important because the way I'm going to try to convince you is is that actually one of the purposes behind this concept of Sabbath is to find not self-fulfillment, but our fulfillment in God. Mm -hmm. Not self-contentment, but our contentment in God. Like, in other words, what God is doing now is there's a day that we set aside every week and we say, content, satisfied, it's good. Everything is taken care of. All is good. And again, not self-satisfied or self-content, but the idea is finding this contentment and this satisfaction inside of God. So he's he's starting this, this principle out to it. Now, what he does then from there, it's really interesting, is this is before the fall. Now, I believe what he's doing here, though, is is kind of telling us a little secret. Is that the way in which he made this world and the way in which he made his chief image bearers, that would be us, is I've designed you to need a one in seven day where you stop, where you, and the word is Shabbat, where you cease, where you 
literally slow yourself down long enough and be able to go, okay, right there, fulfilled, content, satisfied. That's good. Now let me ask this question. Why would God want us to do that? Besides the fact that he made the world that way. Why? Because it's good for us. It's good for us? What else? Maybe why is it good for us? I think in scripture what he calls us to remember and to look back. And why does he faithfulness? Do that? Okay, good. Okay, good. So we stop and we actually now look backwards. In fact, the word that he uses in, in, in Exodus 28 is remember. Right? He uses that particular word. I want you to remember. Now, what happens if you don't remember and look back on God's faithfulness? Depends about you. Okay, explain. Depends about what you you did that week and what you need to do the next week and not recognizing that he was, in fact, the one who gave you the ability and the one who did everything. Okay. Why else do you think? Good to remember. Because then you'll forget. Okay, why, why shouldn't we forget? Because then we, what's our purpose? Okay. Good. It also, go for it. It also helps <laughs> us, um, like, going forward, like, when we face hard times again, that we can, like, remember, like, God's faithfulness all the time, that he's been good to us, and, like, strengthen that relationship and our faith and trust in him. That's right. So, like, one of my favorite things, right, is, uh, is that when the people of Israel get ready to go into Palestine, they've conquered everything, and they're getting ready to go in, and now God has got to pave the way for them to get across the Jordan. And what does God do? He, he stops the river, right? Everybody comes across, and then he tells them, I want you to get one stone for each tribe, and I want you to set it up there. Now, why does he tell them, I want you to build that altar with those 12 stones? Do you remember that? Okay, but to remember, right? Exactly. He said, every time you, your kids, your kids, kids, your kids, 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 come by this thing, I want you to stop at this stone, and I want you to tell the story of what God's done. Now, the beauty of taking this one day a week, and I would see it kind of in the same way, is it's designed to remember, number one, that God is faithful, but it's also to remember, I think, something else, is that we can actually trust Him. That no matter what it is, I can trust him. He is the God that has been sovereign. He brings me through things. This is the way in which he, he has carried out stuff. He is a faithful God. And so one day a week, he's setting aside and saying, cease. Just stop and remember, I've got it. I'm in control. You don't have to operate independently. You can be dependent upon me. And the biblical word that's oftentimes used to try to encompass all that is the word contentment. Now, when I say the word content, what, what does the word content mean? What do you think? Satisfied. Satisfied? What else? Complete. Complete? Not lacking anything. Not lacking. It's the word that I would seriously put on this idea of Sabbath would be this idea that, that literally... Everything is taken care of. Everything is sufficient. It's satisfied. It's dependent. It's all good. Okay, so this is what he's doing. Now, this is important because let me, let me just show you this way. When he goes to build the law, and you guys can, you guys can, as you go through the law, you'll see this. 
is that on one side of it, when we talk about Yahweh or God, is that oftentimes it'll talk about his character. Now think about this. One aspect of his character is that he's good. Another aspect of his character is that he is, um, I heard loving kind. Uh, I, think, I don't remember what passage you were in, but you talked about loving kindness. He is holy. He is, and there's all these other attributes. Now one of the attributes that is of this part of the Sabbath is that when he finished creation, and we'll just put this word up because this is the word we're going to put, is that he is also content. He is fully satisfied in himself. He, everything is good. He's in control. Everything is, is where it needs to be. Now when you follow the law over into here, and especially when you look at like Psalm, let's just say 119, everything about the law is replicated. In other words, the very character of the law is that David says that it's good. It's loving, um, it's holy, it's true, you know, so he'll go through all these different things, dot, dot, dot. But down at the very bottom of the law, there's also this reality of contentment, or a God that's in control, that's fully satisfied. And so when we talk about the law, it's just reflecting the very character of God. Does everybody see that? That the law reflects that. So the aspect of the law that he's pulling in here is, is this reality right here, this part of God that's this just content, satisfied, fully able, that gets translated over into here. And so God says to them, I want this attribute to come out in not only the law, but I want this attribute to come out in your life, and it's what you brought up. The reason I want it to come out is because I'm an image bearer. I'm designed to bear the very image of God. And so therefore, one image reality that I want to come out of you is this idea of being content. Fully satisfied in God, fully content in who He is, the fact of just being dependent upon Him. So, is this making sense to everybody? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this rhythm was before the fall. He now brings it into the law. So, now that's part of the law. And then finally, by the time that we get to Jesus, here's what's really key is we start seeing, though, that something happened that got the, everything all twisted up. And so, like, when we come to Mark 2, open up your Bibles to that. Let me just. Let me show you what I'm talking about. That twisted. Mark 2. Look at verse uh, 27. Someone read 27 and, uh, and, and uh, let's see. Yeah, 27 and 28. They said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Okay, let's talk about that. Why did God make the Sabbath? For man. For man. And who's the Lord of the Sabbath? Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of it. Now, okay, so let's put this together. When we talk about Sabbath, the purpose of it, he says, is I've made this for humanity. I'm the one that put it together. Now, what happens, though, when it gets flip-flopped around, and it's no longer for humanity, but now humanity is actually somehow made for the law? Why, why is that so cattywampus and weird? Because it's, it's the opposite of resting. You're actually, like, working to keep the Sabbath. Yes! Good. Yes! So, okay. There was this, this group of people where I used to shepherd when I was in Wyoming, but it was called the Worldwide Church of God, and... The Worldwide Church of God used to actually be out in Pasadena. That's where they were founded. It was very kind of, um, it had a cultic nature to it. But they, they tried to live the law minus the animal sacrifices. 
Well, all of a sudden, at the very end of it, these people started coming out going, this is, this is crazy, we don't know what to do. And so it was during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, that particular week, this lady that had been in this system for 50 years, I mean, just imagine this. And if you know anything about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they have to get all the yeast and everything, all the certain breads out of their house. They've got to clean it completely, meticulously, so that they honor God with it. And so I walked up to her, and, and this lady, I walked up to her, and I see her crying outside of kind of where we were worshiping. And I go, are you okay? And she turns around, and she has this gigantic smile on her face. And tears are coming down her face. She goes, today's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And I go, wow, yeah, like, why, I mean, why are you crying? And she goes, it's the first time in 50 years I've actually found the purpose of it, not tried to just keep the law. Mm-hmm. And she said, I have never had so much joy on this particular day. And so in it, it was the exact opposite. It suddenly began to drive her. Now the purpose of the Sabbath here he's talking about is now not for us to try to keep it because the Israelites learned they couldn't. And this is where Jesus said, you guys have twisted this thing. You took this very thing that God had given to humanity as the means, I would say, to find contentment. And you've actually turned this away from contentment into drudgery. This thing that was supposed to slow you down and allow you to focus upon God and be satisfied and content in Him, you've turned and you've, you've flip-flopped that thing around. Now, with it, he also kind of, kind of pulled it together a little bit, is that in this, you'll even see this, is that he goes back to creation. Think about that. Is that he doesn't go back to the law there. He says, you've been focusing on the reality of the law, but God, when he made it, instituted it, made this thing for humanity. Now, let me ask you this. If I told you that God made a day for you to actually find joy in him and satisfaction in him and contentment in him, how would you treat that day? Like, And it's okay to be honest. You can even say that's stupid. I'm totally cool with it. But how would you treat that day? I wouldn't want to miss it. Why? Because God is my favorite. Okay, good. I don't want to hang out with him. Okay. Why else? Just think about that for a second. Because I don't think many of us were taught this growing up in the church. That there's a day that God has set aside for you to enjoy Him and know Him and love Him and find contentment in Him and satisfaction in Him. So, so, I that, told you that. That day could look like however you wanted it to look. Okay. And, it, and so you There's a lot of freedom to be like, what do I, do I want to get out in nature? Do I want to, you know, do something else? I don't know. Stop. That's a great word. Great segue. Let's go over here. Freedom! All right. Now, actually, what we find is, is God actually tells the Israelites, I want you to think about your freedom. He says in there, if you remember right, you all used to be in Egypt. And in being in Egypt, you used to be enslaved. And now every day on the Sabbath, I actually want you to think about this. I want you to think about your freedom. All right? He's actually saying, like, think about this and, and ponder in it. Um, he, he also connects it, I think, in a, in a really cool way to this idea, not only of freedom, but he's going to, when we get to Isaiah, he's going to connect this idea that it's the day that we get to delight in him. Like, I love that word delight. Like, we get to, like, Fully, like, enjoy who he is, 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 is the way that he puts it. So this is everything that Jesus said, is you took this thing that used to be for freedom, 
and to con contemplate freedom, and you turned it into drudgery, and you lost the reality of what this was about. Now, let me ask this question. Has any point up to this, to the Gospels, has Jesus said, don't do the Sabbath anymore? Okay, so, if I suddenly took out the rest of the, kind of the Bible at this particular point, and I said to you, that as a follower of God, as a follower of Yahweh, would you still think I'm supposed to be engaged in Sabbath? Mm -hmm. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Okay? Now, there's something cool, though, the other thing that, that Jesus is now going to do, which when we get to, like, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, and, and then Ezekiel 36, uh, 26 through 27, you'll see that on your notes, is that now, though, it's not we're going to obey it as an external command, but now God's going to do something in us. He's going to cause us to actually want his law, to obey his law. So Jeremiah 31, 34, one of the things he talks about is, is I'm going to change you inwardly. I'm going to now, I'm going to put my law on your heart. I'm going to take this law thing that I'm talking about and the heart of my law, which Jesus encompassed that I'm to love God and love people. And I'm going to place this thing on your heart and I'm going to want you to want to do my law. The heart of my law. Not the specifics, but the heart of my law. Ezekiel 36 is I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh and it's now going to cause you to want to obey my statutes. So you're going to want to want to do these things. Now, when we talk law, we're still talking from the heart and the principle of the, of the Ten Commandments, the very kind of love God, love, love people reality. Now, when Jesus came in, he said, look, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. I think what he was setting in mind is is it's not so much that I want you to go back and do the specifics of it, but I want you to capture the very heart of the law. And one of the aspects of the law is the Sabbath. I want you to know that my Holy Spirit is going to compel you to still want to do that aspect of the law of taking a day and setting it aside, this one of seven, and enjoying me and loving me and being a part of me. Now, with it now, this is where I think this becomes so important. The other thing that we're going to learn is at the end of Isaiah is that there's still going to be a Sabbath in your creation. Did you know that? At the very end, it says from month to month, from season to season, but it also talks about Sabbath. Now watch this. There's Sabbath in creation. There was Sabbath after the fall in the people of God. You see, find Sabbath inside of the reality of Jesus. We don't really see it so much when we talk about it um, inside of the New Testament, but then we find it again later on by the time that we get to, to new creation. Now here's the question I would like to ask you guys. If that's true, why have we taken Sabbath out of the church? Because when's the last time you all said, hey, we're doing Sabbath together? I don't have you. Why? Why have we taken it out today? Because we assume it's Sunday. Okay, we assume it's Sunday. Okay. So okay, it could be, right? Right. Okay. Well, we can chill pretty hard on Sundays, though. Okay. <laughs> All right, so it may be a practice. It's hard to relax and actually create that space. So Why? It's the pressure of society to always have a honey-do list. Okay. Some errands to run, so you're never really fully embracing the concept of Sunday. Okay. What if all of you purposely planned for a day off? Like, what if all of you for six days said, we're going to plan everything that we need for a day to just chill and to enjoy God and actually to enjoy one another? I think that's why he said, hey, 
this needs to be for your kids and your and your servants and your animals and everything so you can enjoy people. What would happen if all of you worked hard to be able to get to that point so that you could have a day where you didn't have to do the errands? And you could just be with God. Be amazing. Okay, say that again. Why? For Israel, in some ways, because it was their their country, world their culture. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Lucky. I know. Seriously, this is fun I think the hardest part is yeah. to like stay committed to it in the sense of something always comes up. Yeah, that's what um, I mean. Yeah. Especially like we're actors, and so we don't have a regular job, so we'll get notified the day before, like, "Hey, we need you to work," or "Can you work tomorrow night?" And we're like, "Well." We our schedule so irregular that we take whatever comes our way, and so it's hard to be disciplined to say no to mm-hmm. things like you that things that you feel like you have to say yes okay. to. Wow, that's good. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about this with like people I do communal life with, and it's one of those things that when you start talking about it, it goes well, like we'd have to change our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have to rethink how I do things. And one guy was super funny. He, he, he looked at me and he goes, well, how in the world am I ever going to follow college football and pro football mm-hmm. if I'm hanging out with you all? Right? And he was just a joke. But in, in, in a weird way, he was, he was kind of serious, right? I didn't like that. <laughs> Is that, like, it, it really, in order to do this, and, and we look at Israel and we say, oh, we'll just go live in, in a country or in a culture like that. Culture. Culture. But, like, if this is really something that God says is healthy for you and right for you to find your satisfaction in Him, your contentment in Him, and to slow down, then why don't we make a greater effort to do that? So I've been asking myself this, by the way, too. It's not just you. Just priorities. I think that we sometimes, like, can, like, cut it off. Like, oh, I'll, I'll deal with that later. Mm-hmm. Like, just procrastination in society and, like, we everything seems like it's a priority even though it's not. And, like, unfortunately, like, the most important things often get put on the back burner in our relationship with God and, like, our family and people that we care about in order to, like, pursue a career or to pursue our interests or, like, whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's, it's a matter of looking at our hearts. So what happens when you keep putting the important things on the back burner? You never get to them, and like you, it's you end up sacrificing, and it ends up like hurting you in the long run. And you lose perspective. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe so much of the church just also hasn't, like, maybe we're just not in the practice of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, you know? Like, we actually haven't, like, like felt the goodness of a, a more profound communion with God than just 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes before you go to bed, and Sunday with church people. You know, maybe there's just, yeah, it's there's the, nothing more. It's a, it's on... It's a to-do list item, not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's twisted, isn't it? We can twist it so quickly versus like this beautiful freedom and, and tasting and seeing that it's good. And learning, for me, like it's hard to learn how to rest with others. <laughs> and so trying to learn what that looks like. So what does it look like? Because I don't think actually, just you know, this my perspective on it is is I think the beauty of, of the Bible in Colossians two sixteen is is that it's not that we don't do Sabbath anymore. It means that we pick a day. Now the picking of a day, what I think that means is I don't think actually all of you are necessarily supposed to um, always have the same day in which you can do it because life happens. But there is something that says we're going to devote ourselves to making sure that we have communal time together where we're not in a hurry, we're not worried about things. Um, a good friend of mine, the way they practice Sabbath as in, in their world is, is they have their, uh, what do they call it, their um, cell phone tree. Mm-hmm. And literally when you come in, there's these little buckets hanging on a tree and you have to leave your cell phone at the door. You don't get to come in with your cell phone because you know this, whenever, if you're like me, one of the first things I'm always checking for is what? So what time is it? What's going on? Is there any like 50 emails that I need to answer? <laughs> and part of it was, is the, and this is what was crazy. He said, about the second, third, or fourth time, actually, we started looking at each other and slowing down. And we actually started talking. And we nobody did this. And he goes, it was the weirdest thing. For nobody, for like eight, nine hours of just being together, they pulled out their phone and did this. Like, it's crazy. The only time that's ever happened to me is when I go to the mountains and I don't get cell reception. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I've ever experienced. That's what we should do. We'll all go to the mountains, right? We'll start a couple and like the like the cathars did back in the 1300s. But well, let me throw some principles at you just off of this so that I can kind of get there. And I'm, I'm trying to hurry. I probably went longer than I was supposed to. Huh? Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, you're okay. You got 10, 15 minutes. Well, let me let me just give you maybe some principles on this that we can that we can build out from. Scripture, just from a conclusion standpoint. The first one is, is I think we need to cease our normal work, and we need to make it holy or special, distinct. So this, this is what I mean by that. I think one of the beauties of being in a group like this is to throw on the table, how are we going to do this? Because if you try to figure it out alone, what's going to happen? Fail. No, fail. You're like me. I failed enough to know I'd fail. <laughs> But what, what if I do it all alone? Your own personal things will come in the way. Like, well, I can do it right after this, but before this. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought something in your head, and then when it came out of your mouth and other people had heard it, you thought, that is so stupid, whereas in your head it seems so smart? Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes we need to throw things out of our mouth kind of on this and have discussions together to be able to go, how can I do this? How are we supposed to actually have like a one in seven kind of reality where we, we get to slow down on um, and I think that that should be part of our discussion is what does this look like what does it look like to work contrary to a world 
that in Ephesians 2 says is headed by the prince of the power of the air that wants to lie and deceive and get you doing exactly what everybody else is doing and going down this rat race and going a million miles an hour so that you don't think about God. It's now all of you actually spiritual warfare working against that so that you do have time to be able to do that, right? It's in other words, we it's actually ceasing, working together to, to be able to cease that. That'd be the first one. And and I just build that out of Genesis 2, 2 through 3. Um, for some of you, and again, I don't know any of you, so don't get offended if I say this. I think some people that like laziness, they hear this and they're like, cool, right on. That's right, we're just going to chill, we're going to play Xbox, and it's all going to be great. Won't it be wonderful? Well, the problem with that is, is God says you will work for how many days? Six. And then on the seventh? Rest. Now, we as Americans, man, we hear six days of working. Now, we're like, I'm going to talk to my union if that happens, right? And we're just like, we're not going to do that. Now, I think all he's saying there is it's, it's the work that involves all of life. I want you to get all of life out of there. So well, that could mean my job. But I think the other thing is, is like, make sure your laundry is all done. Don't do laundry on your day that you're actually spending time with folks. You mean it, don't you? I do. But then all you have to do is throw it in. You can fold it the next day. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to twist it here. I'm going to make you feel guilty. No, no I'm just kidding. But it's like, it's the getting to this point where work, when you're working, work hard. Like, Paul even has this statement in First Thessalonians that I love. There was probably certain people that were like, Jesus is coming back, so we're just going to, you know, live, you know, let live and live and... And he says, if you don't work, you don't what? Eat. Wow. Paul, it's a little harsh, man. But his point is, is I think we were designed by God because the other thing when it comes to reflecting God, I don't know if you knew this, but one of the ways we reflect God is doing that. Right? We worked in creation. We work after the fall. And I don't know how many people know this, but we're actually going to work in new creation. That the way in which we display the image of God is we work, but then at some point, though, we have to do what? Rest. Like, stop, cease, slow down. So that's the first one. It's just the idea of making, choosing to make one day distinct. The second one is just to make sure that we don't lose sight of it, which is to delight in God. And, and go to Isaiah 58. I just want to show you this one. I, I love this one. Isaiah 58. Look at verse 13, and I'll read this one. He just says this. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, in other words, if you you come back into it from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath day, look at this, a delight. And the holy day of the Lord honorable. And if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. In other words, don't view this as something that I have to do, but it's something that what? I get to do. It's a gift, right? The Sabbath is not for, or man is not for the Sabbath, but Sabbath is for man. It's a gift from God to us to be able to do something like that. The other thing, like, oh, I'll get to it later. The, the third one is reflect on who you were and who you are now. Deuteronomy 5.15, that's what he tells you to do. But I think part of our Sabbath also is to focus on God's salvation of us. And so in other words, in, in Deuteronomy 5, he says, I want you to remember how I rescued you out of slavery in Egypt, and I brought you to this land, 
And so I think actually it's a principle that you build into this Sabbath thing is at some point you're supposed to be thinking through what you've been rescued from and what you've been placed into. Now why would that be important? To think about that. Every week, by the way. Why would that be important? Every week. Because each week has new challenges. Okay. And how it actually did the early church do this? Does anybody know? Think about moving from slavery to sin into this new realm of freedom and this slavery to righteousness. How does the church recognize that? Weekly. Communion. Mm-hmm. Oh, communion. Mm-hmm. Lord's Supper. Did you know in the early church, actually, the reason that Sunday became this day was not only the resurrection day, but it was that literally they were setting aside a day in which they could all slow down long enough to eat a meal. Like, I, I grew up in church, well, I, I came into church where it was like at the end of a service. Did you ever did you do that one? Mm-hmm. Where it was like, you'd sing some songs, hear some preaching, sing some songs, and then real quickly they'd be like, here's the Lord's Supper, you know, you know if, you, if you say it wrongly, you're going to die, and if you die, well, that's going to be awful, so take it rightly, you know, and you're sitting there, oh, you throw it down. Actually, what it was meant to do in the early church is they would slow down at this point and look at each other, and they would remind each other who they are in Christ. They would take it together, looking at each other. They would confess sin to one another in the Lord's Supper. Do you know that? Can you imagine, like, Mrs. Jones coming in and going, now, you know, I'm going to confess some sin. You know, my husband's a jerk. And, and, but just, like, all these things, right? Where it's just like, they would gather together so that they would focus on this reality, like, where they would just slow down long enough to go, that's who I used to be. But look at who I am now because of the work of Jesus. He says, I want you to have that rhythm in your life. The other one is practice godly contentment, which when we talk about his last name is Jones. That's me. Prophet. Okay. This is a jerk. Yeah. Clayton is Keeley's greatest sin. My husband's a jerk. I confess my husband's a jerk. I told you I didn't want to say that, Jerry. <laughs> but the other one is just practicing godly contentment by trusting God. Now, here's, here's how I say this. And you brought up the idea of you know, being an actor or different things. If I don't take this job, I don't make what? Money. Money. Now, by the way, this is everybody's problem, right? Or my are, dreams come true. Or my dreams coming true. I didn't want to say that. I don't know. But we, we have this real fear that we're not going to accomplish, we're not going to obtain, we're not going to, right? There's all these thoughts we have in the back of our head. Now, part of the reason I put um, uh, down on the sheet Exodus 16, if you remember right, God gave them manna, right? And when he gave them manna, they collected it for how many days? Six, six days. And on the sixth day, though, they did something else. They doubled it. Okay? Now, why did they collect double? For the next day, right? Now, think about this. Is that then on the seventh day, almost sounds Sabbath-like, I don't want you to do that. But the problem was, if they kept manna to the next day, what would happen? Spoiled. Spoiled. Now, I think here's the principle. The beauty of what happens to me on Sabbath is it reminds me I'm not in control. It reminds me God will take care of me. It reminds me all kinds of things that I hate. And so in it, this one day where we set it aside, and and regardless of what happens, is we're not going to do this. Is We're devoting it to this time that we're going to... Totally focus on this contentment that I was talking about. Now, the other place you'll see this is in Exodus uh, 28 through 11 in the law. But it's just, I think at the core of it is practicing the sovereignty of God. Now, why would I say practicing the sovereignty of God? Why does this practice the sovereignty of God? 
What's sovereignty? Control. Control. Okay, now think about this. Practicing not my sovereignty, but practicing his sovereignty means that I am no longer what? Control. Anybody else struggle with that besides me? Mm. <laughs> I like, I'm a huge control freak. And so in other words, what this does, every, why are you nodding at me? You don't know me that well. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally She's like, But there's this thing in which like practicing God's control his power, his supremacy, his authority, his, his capacity to control all, all different things is there. The next one is just look forward to new creation in Hebrews 4.9 and also in Colossians 2.16-17. It's a time that we think about the future rest that God has for us. I told you about that one earlier. The other one that I think is really important also is this creating a relational space, not only to love God, but also to fulfill the law of Christ by loving and enjoying people. Um, this... This particular Friday is a day that um, I'm setting aside to be with people within my uh, communal kind of living. And, and we're taking our sons to go be, to an island, the uh, Santa Cruz Island. We're going to go over there and we're going to hike around. Now, part of it is, though, is I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how do I do all these things while we're communing together? Like while we're traveling on a boat, but well, you know, without being like cheesy, I brought some cards. It's funny. I'm gonna pass these cards around, and we're gonna talk about these things. But to just go and to be with them, and, and the other thing is, it, and it, this is hard for me sometimes with my kids. I'm just having confession right now. It's like enjoying my kids, mm-hmm. like just looking down at them and slowing down. And, and, and the reason I say it's hard is because my son's all over the place. My son has got like ADD plus. <laughs> it's just like he's all over. And, and my little girl, I never know what's going to come out of her mouth. We were, we were hanging out at this restaurant, and, and there's a lady sitting there, and she, you know, she's a little overweight. And she looks at the lady, and she just goes, boy, your legs are really powerful, right? And you're like, oh, <laughs> that's not my child. <laughs> I've adopted all my kids, so I'm like, oh, that's obviously not my child. She doesn't look like me. <laughs> but my, my daughter is like a preteen and so I'm like oh my gosh what happened to you like you used to be all nice and innocent and now you don't talk to me anymore I mean it's just, it's just all these things but it's slowing down long enough and I would say this to love and enjoy people I think what the Sabbath does is it teaches us that we enjoy God most when we enjoy his people most it's just this slowdown time, looking at people, caring about people. And then just the last one that I have down there, it's the mark of God's people. Uh, in Exodus 31, it says, this will mark you. And I don't think it's any different. The people that choose to live out of a Sabbath that God instituted way back in creation, I think what it does is it tells the world we're different. We don't live by the almighty dollar. We believe God can control things, that he cares for us, that he's overseeing it, that we can even take some time and slow down not worry about all the different things that are going on. And then just the last thing I would say is just this, is that I think we're supposed to help each other. And what that means is we've actually got to talk to the honest. And the other thing is, we've got to do this little thing that nobody likes, is just to graciously confront one another. Now, let me finish this way. So before I start to speak on this, I made the, the flaw of not taking a day of Sabbath for three weeks in a row. Now, I feel very convicted sitting here talking to you all as a, as a failure. 
But one of the pastors on staff with us walked into my office and he goes, I saw your car here now for two weeks on Friday when you're supposed to be practicing communal Sabbath with some of your other people and your family. And he goes, why? Why were you here? On one level, I'm like, you know, see what's on that door? It says lead pastor on the door. It's not your job to come from But he just came in and and I go, well, you know, he goes, no, I'm, I'm dead serious right now, Todd. Why? I sat there for a little bit, hung and hung, and I go, well, because obviously I don't believe in Sabbath like I say I do. And I don't think I believe that God says the Sabbath is as important as it really is. And he goes, you know, right now I'm, I'm here because I love you. I care about you. And I care about the fact that God's designed you to be able to reflect him well. And we reflect him well when we actually practice the things that God's called us to be about. And we got all done with that, right? And I'm super thankful he said it. Well, then today, right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to come out here and another pastor on staff comes into my office and he closes the door behind me and I'm like, oh, no. And he goes, I've been, I've been meaning to talk to you. I've seen your car here a lot on Friday. I'm like, you all working together? Or what? And I'm like, what in the world? And then he just began to say, Todd, I love you enough to be able to walk up to you and say, I thought we had all made a commitment to one another that we were going to enjoy God and love God in those times and, and be with those commu- people we're, we're in communion with. And, and so in it now, let me just say this. I need people in my life to pull this off and to figure it out. I've started to realize just how much I need my the body to be able to know how to do this. And so I would say one of the actual practices that you all might consider, though, is looking at each other and asking, how are we doing communion? How are we doing Sabbathing? How are we how are we doing it, actually practicing that reality? And then to be honest and you know, we act. How are we supposed to do it acting? Uh, well pretend like you're doing it, I don't know. Um, but like how are we supposed to do this? And you know, I'm busy doing real estate. I think how do I do this? And I'm busy hanging out with Eisner and, and Disney and all these other things. How am I supposed to, to do this, right? I think it's sitting down and they'll figure it out because I think this is something that's